BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet, with more than 1 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we discuss how to become a super connector. We look at the idea that networking is not about tactics. It's about a fundamental shift in how you think about interacting with people. We examine how to break free from the lazy and shallow networking that social media often creates. Discuss why you should never ask, how can I help? Look at the power of curiosity and the importance of asking better questions and much more with our guest, Scott Gerber. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should join our email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. There's some amazing stuff that's only available to our email subscribers, so be sure you sign up and join the email list. This includes an awesome free guide that we created based on listener demand called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide when you sign up and join the email list today. Next, you're going to get a curated weekly email from us every single Monday called Mindset Monday, which our listeners have been absolutely loving. It's short simple, filled with actionable and valuable insights, videos, and articles that we found interesting within the last week. And lastly, you're going to get an exclusive chance to shape the show. You can vote on guests. You can help us change parts of the show. You can even submit your own personal questions to our guests and much more by becoming part of our community and joining the email list. You can do that by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage, or you're on the go, if you're driving around, just text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. That's SMARTER to 44222. In our previous episode, we discussed becoming a super learner. We dug into questions that I've pondered for a long time. Does speed reading work? 
can we actually speed read and improve our reading comprehension? Are there strategies that you can use to improve your memory? And most importantly, how can we align the way we think, learn, and remember with the way our brains actually operate? We go into this and much more with our previous guest, Jonathan Levy. If you want to learn the secrets of the world's memory champions, be sure to listen to that episode. This episode is sponsored by Audible. That's right, we've made it to the big leagues. But seriously, I'm a huge fan of Audible. I listen to it on an almost daily basis. Right now, I've been really enjoying the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. It's a fascinating story, and I particularly enjoy listening to biographies on Audible. They really have a great narrative flow, and even when you're driving around or on the go, you can still capture the core essence of the book. And right now, Audible is offering something special for our listeners. You can get a free audiobook along with a 30-day free membership to Audible. All you have to do is to go to audible.com slash success or text the word success to the number 500-500. That's audible.com slash success or just text the word success to 500-500. Now for the show. Today, we have another great guest on the show, Scott Gerber. Scott is the CEO of the community company and founder of Young Entrepreneurs Council. He's also an internationally syndicated columnist and co-author of the book Super Connector, as well as the book Never Get a Real Job. He's been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Bloomberg, and he's even been honored by the White House. Scott, welcome to the Science of Success. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we're very excited to have you on here today. Let's share some awesome stuff, shall we? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'd love to start out. I'm really fascinated with the book Super Connector and all the work that you've done. You know, in a today's world where we're flooded with tons and tons of LinkedIn connections, Twitter followers, and, and all of these kind of superficial relationships, how do we work our way through that quagmire? Yeah, I think it's first understanding we're all guilty. You know, that's the reality. I think self-awareness is what we consider to be one of the key attributes of successful connectors, people who actually accept fault, understand who they are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then build upon the proper foundation. You know, today we have been sort of led to believe that our personal brand social media presence is the definitive reason for being in a lot of ways. It's who we are. It's how people see us. And the reality is that has leaked, sadly, into this networky style personality that a lot of us have created for ourselves. Rather than being truly authentic, we are being internet authentic. We are being social media conscious before human conscious. And it's it's really sad because again, it's not just like the newer generations that are stuck on their phones all day. It is the generation of people who are getting lazier that you know don't want to go to that event and go meet more people or think that sending a LinkedIn connection to someone is a real connection. And so I think we have to reverse course. I think that the people that will be the most successful in the social media age as noise continues to proliferate are those that actually can provide real signal and be human and allow their humanity to show and allow the technologies and media platforms they use to amplify their humanity and not their messaging or their networking speak or their guru personalities. I think those are the ways forward for this generation. I think that's really well said. And the lack of authenticity of these, this almost faux veneer of 
these kind of fake social media profiles, I think is really a problem today. I just think at the end of the day, we have been put into this incredible ecosystem of uh, what we believe to be communities that we can tap into. The problem is, is that we have conflated the idea of connection with connector or connect it. And I think that these terms are not semantics. It is not semantics to say, I enjoy connecting with people versus I'm very connected. Those are two fundamentally different principles. Yet we've turned them into this idea that vanity metrics determine social status. It's very black mirror if you're a watcher of the Netflix series in in a lot of ways. It's this sort of idea now that vanity project has become the real project. Whereas if you ask any real connectors, again, whether in business or the personal lives of those that just live by these, you know, principles that we think are the right ways to go about relationship building, they'll tell you that, yeah, you know, social media is great and it's a wonderful way to message. It's a wonderful way to connect with those you already have relationships with. But these people that are using it for, frankly, the bastardization of the original intent, which is to amplify a persona, I think are going to find themselves very alone in the world when their 15 minutes of fame have ended and realize that those that they are connected to are not actually connections. So where do we go from here? Well, I think we first have to take step one and say, you know, are we emotionally intelligent in our daily lives to actually realize empathetically that we can be of service to others and not just share content, not just look at how do we position ourselves or strategically create the right mood, feel and look of what we are and who we are to the outside world, but actually be of meaningful service, not to look at a lot of the things we talk about in the book are not tactics It is a framework for fundamentally changing your life. It is the idea of saying, hey, I'm not going to go on Nutrisystem for five weeks and lose some weight. It's I'm going to actually change my lifestyle to lose the weight and live a better life. That's what we're suggesting here. There is no five steps to success of relationship building. It is fundamentally understanding a couple key principles. Number one, humanity is not going anywhere. You can't automate out humans. You can't vanity metric your way to building meaningful, long-lasting relationships that are going to be there for you and you for them. And so I think it's about looking at yourself and saying, who do you want to surround yourself by? How do you want to live your life? What kind of service and value do you want to bring to a community of peers? Or what community do you even want to create for yourself and around yourself? I mean, I take this back to 2010, you know, where I had been just out of a business after or really hard knocks learnings around failing because I had no one around me of real value. And I don't mean value in the sense of money or you know connections. I mean just people that could have helped me in the rough times in my first business that failed miserably and almost bankrupted me. And that's why I founded YEC. It wasn't to create a sphere of influence around young entrepreneurs or create a platform. It was because I genuinely wanted to have real conversations with people that had had similar experiences to me, that together we could have you know, masterminded our way to find mutual success. And I had not built those fundamental steps, and therefore I failed as a result. So in correcting course, admitting that I could not be a team of one, I could not be a success powerhouse of one, and realizing that by bringing 
the community around me and me around them, we could be more powerful as a collective. My next business was ultimately a much bigger success. And that allowed me to now create the kinds of communities around that ethos that really came from a true place of wanting to help others so that others could also help me in times good and bad and everything in between. I think we are forgetting the fundamentals of what a relationship is because we've been told that a like and a share is the equivalent. That is a mistake. There's so many things I want to I want to dig into on that. You know, j- just the idea that networking or relationship building, whatever kind of term you want to use, it's not about tactics. It's about a fundamental shift in how you interact with people. It's so true. I mean, I have people that have come up to me and say, "Wow, I really love how you run your events. You should. I'm going to run my events exactly like you run them." And they ask me for advice on that, and I'll say, "Look." You could take every single step of what we do, but come off as a networker. And our definition of a networker, again, is someone who is, you know, out for oneself, a taker, someone that is sort of the wolf in sheep's clothing of trying to be helpful, but really out for themselves, you know, and ruin the entire idea of what you're doing. Great. You serve the food one way and you created an atmosphere that seemed wonderful. But at the end, in you handed out the business card and, and said the wrong thing or gave the wrong feeling or just ruined the entire room because it was a charade for your own good. These are the things that I think people don't realize. We do not live in a tactics world. We've created one. You know, the five steps to this, three tips to do that. And again, sometimes that's meaningful. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to offer tips and strategies on what's worked for us, but it comes with a fundamental understanding that you could put a lot of bolts on a really big piece of crap and those bolts that you're adding on aren't going to make it stronger, (laughs) you know? And so I think that this shift in mindset, this demasking this idea that we're getting back down to basics because we've so strayed from those basics because of market speak and MLM hucksters and guru nonsense that has been blasted in our face and then amplified through social media from people who are out for themselves trying to come off as people that are actually in it to help us has distorted us. Have They've created the distortion field. We've got to realize if you can't look someone in the face and have an actual conversation that doesn't in 30 seconds make you think, what can I get from this? You don't get it. And I think too many people think they get it and will say, oh, I'll do these three things. But still in the first 30 seconds of a conversation, their immediate thing is, oh, I can eventually get this from this person. If that's what you think, you're going to lose in the end because a connector doesn't think like that. And the first 30 seconds in their mindset, they're thinking, what questions and context do I need to ask that this person is not giving me that I can extract from them to figure out where I can play a role in their developmental or business success, where I can actually be helpful instead of just simply saying, how can I help you? So that the person thinks somehow that that social script means I care. And that I think is something people aren't doing right now. They're still taking the paint job, but they're not building the house. This has to change if we're actually going to have a society worth having conversations in, worth building communities for, and worth playing a meaningful role in. That's a great distinction. And I think the idea of, of coming from a place of truly wanting to help people 
you know, is one of the cornerstones of networking. Obviously, Keith Ferrazzi talks a lot about that, who's a previous guest on the show. But I love your distinction there. It's not just about saying, how can I help? Because that's sort of a, a platitude that doesn't really actually do anything. It's about digging in and, and trying to get the context or the right questions to figure out how you can actually help. So I'm going to tell you, I don't tell many people. And so maybe your audience, you know, realizes that there is a human on this side that can admit when he's wrong too. I used to be a person that would ask that question ad nauseum. The difference was, is that in my mind, it wasn't the social script that others used on me, right? I actually was coming from an authentic place with it. I truly was. But in listening to myself and having people talk to me about the kinds of help they were asking for, I realized I'd gotten lazy. It was wrong. And I finally corrected course. I remember I went on MSNBC and of course, you know, they ask you for your top tips and what's your advice. And I said, you know, asking how can I help you to actually be of service? And then a couple of weeks later, I was with a connector friend of mine. He says to me, so Scott, I'm sort of embarrassed for you. And I love this guy. So it's totally cool that he can call me out. And sometimes you need those people, right? A true community. That should be the, the reaction, right? He goes to me and he says, Scott, how could you ask how can I help you as your question? And I thought about it for a minute. Now, this goes back a couple of years, obviously. I go back and I'm thinking, wow, that truly is the worst question. And why is it the worst question? And that's what I wasn't asking myself. And so I thought about it. And let's, let's just talk about why. Number one, you're putting the onus on the other person to actually tell someone who, in most cases, you've met for the first time, like this monster thing that they can do to help you as if that is even reasonable. That's number one. Number two, directionally, it provides no guidance. You know, it is it's very much not only putting the onus, but directionally, it's coming off as, oh, no matter what you ask me to help you with, I'm your guy, which makes no sense. Number three, it shows you don't care because if you actually wanted to help the person, what are you going to do? You're going to listen be more curious when you don't understand something, ask more questions, then more questions, then smarter questions on top of those questions to come up with a thesis. And then you're going to actually say, well, here's some ways I can help you proactively offering the actual assistance rather than the lazy thing of, oh, great. I'm glad we talked for 45 minutes. I've clearly gotten nothing from you. So I'm just going to ask this thing to make you feel like I'm totally listening. How can I help you? You've gotten lazy. And so all these things together on top of the final nail in the coffin for me, which is it is like every other marketing-esque speak or platform. The first people that asked, how can I help you umpteen decades ago were probably very wholesome, not out for themselves, non-networking, authentic people. The second generation, eh, it started to tweak a little bit. By generation and iteration 100, it is the new social script. Because if you don't ask that question, you're a horrible person. When you ask that question, oh, even if you can't help, quote unquote, you're still a good guy. I argue that people now are so realizing that as a garbage, you know, not listening, not personal, nonsense question that it gives you that bad taste in your mouth like, oh, I'm so glad I just wasted 15 minutes of my life talking about all these things, but actually you didn't give a damn. And so what I tell people is the cure anecdotally, and I can speak to this, you know, in a number of ways is you've got to ask better questions. The best connectors are curious. Now I'm sure someone on your show is going to listen to this and they're going to say, Oh, but Scott, that's so obvious. What an obvious tip. You have to be curious. Oh man. Thanks for the tip. You know what? I would then push back and say, relive your last five conversations and tell me how curious you were. 
Most people love to talk about how obvious stuff is, but they don't actually do it. They won't actually deep dive more than surface level or one step below surface level. If you end up in a conversation where the answer on the other side is yes, no, or a phrase or sentence, you stink at what you do. You should be able to have conversations with anyone, anytime, anywhere by basically, whether you know the subject matter or not, by the way, just by consistently asking questions or better questions to start a conversation. So instead of like, hey, what are you working on these days? How about what are you working on right now that makes you wake up in the morning excited? People love talking about that. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, great. Well, tell me, like, what are goals for that? What does success look like for you? In a year from now, if we talk again, what makes it so that that thing you did was a winner or a loser? What are the steps you need to do to get there? In that five or six question series, there is no question that any good connector is in their mind is thinking, who do I know? What resource do I have? What five people can I connect for more knowledge share for this person? And then in the end, be able to actually facilitate it. And even if the help at the end of the day didn't get them over the goal line, by you actually going that level of methodical series of steps, you will have a relationship in place with a continuing conversation over time that shows you care. There's a lot of stuff I want to unpack from that as well. You know, I love, first of all, just the insight that most people talk about how obvious things are, but they never actually just do it, even though it's really simple. I think that's that's a great just observation in general, not just about kind of relationship building, but I think more broadly, really, really applicable. But I'm curious, I want to dig in on this idea of asking better questions and cultivating curiosity. Tell me more about how we can get better at that. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, like anything else, you got to do an audit of yourself, right? You have to actually look at conversations you've done. And this, this takes some thinking. I mean, again, this is an intellectual exercise or it's catching yourself as you're starting to retrain your brain of how you want to be. Like bottom line is, Matt, I mean, at the end of the day, if you are someone who really wants to be more authentic in your relationships and you don't care about people or care about what they have to say or selectively care or only care when it is applicable to what you do every day or only care when you see a benefit for you in it, you don't get it. And so you need to actually start catching yourself And again, I don't think that people are awful people if they do these things. I think it's how they've been built or how they've been trained. And like any bad thing, you know, biting your fingernails, you know, doing horrible, you know, spitting, whatever your thing is, your thing that you've got to do to get over, to get over the hill, you know, it takes training and repetition and constantly checking yourself and improving incrementally to get better. You know, I think that in order to be a curious person, you first have to figure out Could you sit in a room with someone that you share no commonalities with, that you don't understand anything about what they do, that in a room where you weren't with that person, you would ever even want to read a book, let alone a blog, you know, or anything on a subject matter of relevance to them? Could you take all that and then say, okay, I'm going to have a conversation and by the end, not be a subject matter expert on this person, but have a fundamental series of at least understandings, points in the sky that you could aim towards to actually make it so you learn something and not just learn something necessarily to help that person. I mean, that's that's one clear offshoot in value. And there's going to be a lot of people you can't help or people you shouldn't help or people, frankly, that you're not going to provide enough value to. So you shouldn't just try. But I think that there's something to be said about just being okay with great conversation. You've got to be okay with that. And even if you're introverted, right? My partner and I, the reason we wrote this book together is I'm an extreme extrovert. He's an incredibly extreme introvert. 
And so the perspectives in this book aren't like, well, if you're not a type A, you shouldn't be a connector. That's nonsense. Most introverts are actually better connectors in many cases, and extroverts can learn a lot from that. But either way, peripherally, you need to understand that regardless of who you are, you need to actually, whatever environment you're in, be able to pull in that context and understand it, not to be a major on the subject, but to care. And so I think that's what you need to do. And in asking better questions, it's more just forward thinking, conversational questions that, you know, actually continue your curiosity that don't just lead to, oh, do you like today's weather or small talk, right? Small talk is horrible. What is small talk? Small talk is another version of how can I help you? It's that lazy thing of, that a networker does when they're shaking your hand with one hand, handing you a business card with the other, talking to you about themselves while looking over your shoulder at who else is in the room that they should be meeting after they're done with the social scripts with you. So anything that comes off as lazy is probably not correct. So audit yourself, determine ultimately, are you guilty of some of these things? Start figuring out questions that you feel you want to ask people. And there's no set of correct ones. Again, along the lines of what are you working on right now that excites you? You know, something that is in the moment, something that has a series of steps that can go off, something that is meaningful to the other person that helps them to talk about themselves, which people don't, most people don't do. And then I'm going to give you the fourth one, which most extroverts are going to be like, oh my God, this is crazy. I'll never do this. Listen, we are so bad at listening type A's because we're always like, our minds work so fast. We want to get the next word out. Well, sometimes, you know what? Shutting up is the best thing you can do as a connector. And then listening to take in that context so you could build a profile of someone that actually allows you to figure out what next words you should say. Because typically, if you think too fast on your feet as a type A, the next words you're always going to say without listening are the wrong words or is about you or sets up something that the other person's going to be sort of taken aback by or eyes glaze over because it shows you were just waiting to get the words out. So these are the kinds of things that you have to just be okay with and learn from and adapt to that new reality of conversational tone. I want to dig in a little more broadly too about, about kind of the art of conversation. Let's say, you know, you meet somebody at an event or a cocktail party or something like that. You know, how can listeners learn how to sort of communicate with anyone about anything? Well, you know, it's interesting. So I am going to argue against the premise, but not to say you're wrong, obviously, but to, to give you a sense of what a connector is going to do before they even put themselves in the room. So the difference is, is that people look at things like networking events as, oh, I go to a networking event because I want to meet people. But they often don't ask themselves a lot of questions before they go into that room. Number one, do I should I be attending this event? Number two, if I am, is there anybody with me? Am I sort of going with anchors that already have a built-in series of relationships or foundational understanding in the room? Are they already a connector in that space? You know, so there's a lot of things that go into selecting your pond if you will. Because again, connectors are methodical, productivity hackers, people who are very methodical about the time and the place and the surroundings, not just environmentally, but you know, the physical you know, space, the intimacy of a room versus the large scale of the room. It's knowing the kind of connector you are because that's how your conversational tone will be affected. So as an example, if you're an introvert, You probably don't want to just go to some random networking event, and you're not wrong for thinking that. So what an introvert might do is say, okay, I know there's this big conference that's coming to town. There's no way I'm going to put myself in a room with 2,000 people. I'll have a panic attack. But it's a subject matter area that is incredibly relevant to me. 
So what can I do? Well, maybe you could go and reach out to 15 or 16 people that are going to be at that event that you found on social media or that your friends know that are going to attend, or you have two or three of the 16 that are you know really fundamental members of your community or your world that they can invite the top people in the space that matter. And you bring them to an oasis, a private space that's intimate, that takes them away from the action, that makes it a very highly valuable experience, not just for you, but for them, people that are also attending these kinds of activities with the intent of the goal of meeting great people, but you're doing the work, you're curating the experience. So how do you first communicate with anyone? You put them in an environment that's a safe space for you. The second is you figure out the key areas that those people bring to a conversation before they come in the room. For example, at our events in YAC, if you go to an event in, in any of our communities, in YC in particular, we're going to survey you on what are two challenges you're facing right now in your business and what is a major strength or a major win you've had in learning something big that helped your business in the last year. And then, of course, we're going to give you the CV LinkedIn style details. We're going to put a digest together. We're going to send that to every person. And then we're going to make suggestions of who should make sure they talk by the end of the event because we know what both sides of the challenges and the strengths are. All that work allows people to come in, especially you as the connector, with a whole lot of conversations you can have right off the bat. And so I think the way you communicate with anyone about anything starts with the curiosity. It goes with the selectivity and curation of creating that safe space or that environment whenever you can, putting yourself at least in a space that you're comfortable in. I mean, an extrovert, you know, there are people like myself that can walk into a thousand person conference room, you know, or conference center rather, and, you know, create great relationships. But I still want to take those folks back to a safe space because you might want to pick the right people you want to keep in touch with at a big room like that, but still bring them back to something intimate and small and meaningful and then deliver on an experience that's highly valuable where you're not the only one that is having the conversation, but you've brought in a lot of stakeholders that see you as the sphere of influence, the reason that these great conversations occurred, but not necessarily the person that even has to speak. So now you're the sphere of influence, the center of these conversations, of many different conversations. You're seen as the ringmaster, if you will, of the whole thing. And you might not have even spoken to all 16 people, but all 16 people because of the value that they've created based on your creation of this safe space is going to be the person that walks away, probably with the most fundamental relationships and foundations for those relationships established. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hiring the right person takes time, time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire – 
because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. You touched on this a little bit, but I think when you, in Super Connector, you dig more deeply and, and talk sort of about related concept, but the idea of sort of being a curator versus being a creator. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, look, some people are wonderful at writing content and some people are wonderful at curating content. Just as a basic example, a lot of content today is thought leadership garbage, right? It is advertorial, clickbait, funnel metric driven traffic with a goal in mind, right? Now, I don't want to make it sound like connectors can't profit at some point in their lives. These folks can't be nonprofit only zealots that only care about others. Clearly, you have to be able to create value for yourself in order to create value for others or what value ultimately do you provide, right? But at the end of the day, creators are people that, let's say in the form of content, can put out really valuable content that brings people together and creates dialogue and conversation, which is ironic because right now that's sort of the big thing with Facebook and all these major you know, social media outlets now that realize how much garbage is on their sites and they're trying to now make it back to the original founder's intent, right? Creating conversation around high value content initially driven by individuals, not brands, not media companies. So this is very much in line with where I think the world is going in general. But those creators can create tribes because the content and the value they're creating is so impactful that they can create. Some people can't do that or shouldn't do that, but they can create highly valuable curated pieces, pulling the best minds together that have created really thought-provoking pieces of content that on a newsletter, let's say, could spark massive dialogue amongst the top intellectuals and the top professionals in a certain field. And so I think you can't force, again, going back to the tactic discussion, you can't say, oh, I read a blog that talks about content marketing and so I have to put a personal brand out there. Because you know what, if you suck at creating content or you are, again, networker-esque in your content approach, you know, out for yourself, icky, transactional oriented, you know, it's not gonna work anyway. And so I think you need to, just like you need to figure out, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think you have to determine, are you someone that could gather people together to inspire dialogue? And the gathering is based on the creation of very valuable and raw information that people will really have deep conversations about. Again, that puts you at the sphere of influence because you are the curator of that experience. Or are you someone that does have something very relevant to say that can create dialogue around the words, thoughts, insights that you are bringing to the world yourself. Neither of those is right or wrong. It's just a fit for you or not. So it seems like both of these strategies and then also kind of circling back to the idea of when you're going to an event, creating sort of your own safe space, revolve around the key principle of placing yourself at sort of the center of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Community today and the ability to build walled off access to the people and things that matter will be eventually what is the keys to the kingdom. Because at some point, the noise is just going to get so loud that the people that matter, 
And I don't mean that in the sense of it's just the C-suite or just the intellectual set. The people that matter to you are going to need that safe space because they're going to flock from these overcrowded, oversaturated platforms in the real world and in the online one. And those that are able to curate the right people together that can basically allow for these thriving communities to sustain beyond the founder, him or herself, are going to be the ones that ultimately are the most powerful from a social capital level, from a potential profitability level, from just the reality of where I believe and where my co-author Ryan believes, the, the real relationships that change the world, your world, the big world, whatever you want to call it, are going to come from. So people need to invest in others to surround themselves with amazing people because amazing people do what? They bring in other amazing people. When you put a thesis together, let's again take, say, the, the YEC, Young Entrepreneur Council. That ethos was initially we really care about youth entrepreneurship and the idea of building the next generation of young entrepreneurs and inspiring them through our actions. And as a direct corollary, if we combine our efforts to do that, not only can we create impact, but by connecting together in general, we can also help one another to ensure mutual success where we can continue to give back to that original message, that original thesis, what brought us together initially. And so it builds and builds and builds, but it doesn't mean that Scott Gerber or Ryan Paul have to drive every initiative, every conversation, everything that matters, because the group is built so much onto that fundamental principle, and they all so buy into it. It's about helping young entrepreneurs succeed, that they want to be a part of that conversation proactively and reactively. But YEC has grown far beyond the, val the original intent. It was not meant to necessarily be in the thousands of people, but those thousands of people are all incredibly curated, amazing, and vetted because of the initial foundation we put down. So not only is it created, obviously, a business. I don't want to be coy about it. It's created a business. But it's also created a mastermind and a hive for people that also, like me when I started it, felt alone. They couldn't talk to anybody else. There was no one else that understood them. Or they didn't just have enough what I'll call you know, general knowledge outside of their subject matter expertise or their specific location or their specific industry. And they wanted to become more worldly. And what better place to become more worldly than the smartest people in our our generation in various different other market sectors, countries, and so on. But at the end of the day, the direct and indirect access that Ryan and myself now have because of not just the people we've brought to that community and our team has brought to that community, but the community has brought to the community allows for it to have an exponential value to us and to the company as a whole while simultaneously providing exponential, indirect, and direct opportunity to the members themselves. And that is a real win-win that was based on a wholesome intent that started with a smart foundation that almost in the, the movie Inception is an idea that once it's planted, you can't quote unquote buy that real estate. It's an idea you own. It's an idea that is implanted in you. It's something you believe in with your full heart and mind. And that is something that no marketer, no MLM person, no one can go and just buy their way into. How does somebody who's a super connector, and, and I think the community answers you're just talking about kind of address this in some way, but I'm curious, you know, specifically maybe from your perspective, but how is someone who's a super connector kind of manage or stay on top of such a huge amount of connections 
mm-hmm. in a way that's authentic, but also kind of can still be executed and sort of managed in a meaningful way. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. There are some secrets to the trade, like just like any other mindset shift. I think people have to realize that technology is meant to amplify humanity and not cheat it. I think today, a lot of people view technology or these platforms that can help you systemize and create value for others as a means to convert or have a funnel click or get a like or a share. And so again, just like everything else, you got to take it back and you have to say to yourself, okay, what works for me so I can remember this information that I just learned about John Smith at the bar tonight, that he likes this kind of drink, that he's changing jobs and looking for this position, that he likes the caparina, that his son is an all-star basketball player, so on and so forth. How do I just keep that treasure trove of information that only I have that is not on a LinkedIn profile so that I can keep in touch in a meaningful way with that person? So some people like me, Keep it very simple. I put a contact, you know, information in the notes section of my contacts in my iPhone. And then I will put just a reminder, hey, check in with him in X number of weeks or X number of months or X number of days, depending on what we talked about. And in the follow-up CC, which is what I use, some people use Boomerang or other scheduling tools or reminder tools. But in my follow-up CC, I'll send myself an email that says, hey, talk about these couple of things, check in on this, see if you could provide value here or here based on what happened from what we talked about at this time. Simple as that. It is not cheating for me to send myself a reminder, but then no offense to the person I was talking to or anyone else, forget about it until it comes back in my circle because either I'm helping other folks or I have to, again, be successful myself in order to help others and dedicate the time that is necessary. So it's finding the cheats to your time that are not cheating the person or cheating the goals of the communication of the person, but simply cheating your productivity and hours in a day that I think is really about the mindset. There are some connectors we talked about, like this wonderful man named Michael Roderick. He's in the book in Super Connector and wonderful, wonderful connector. He is just the salt of the earth. But he has literally developed, you know, a multi-level document that is just this monster spreadsheet online that not only has all this contextual data about all these conversations with, you know, relevant points and relevant things about each person, But he has different scores for people and not scoring them as, is this a good person or a bad person? But does this person fit in this category of how I deem someone or that category? And again, just helping him instantly be able to search in a document based on his own rubric, a series of keywords, and then be able to basically sort those keywords by how he has graded these individuals by type of person to try to find the right people when he does think a connection makes sense to someone. Introduce an extrovert with an extrovert in this specific subject area. I need someone that was having this challenge uh, solved with this expertise in this period of time. So it's a series of creating, again, whether it's high-end CRMs or low-end you know, SaaS tech that help you cheat productivity but not people. But that's most of it. I think a lot of things also comes down to how well you schedule yourself. The best connectors also are people that care about the minutes in a day. And I think that comes down to ensuring that you're providing the proper amount of time to yourself and creating a series of things that you just won't do. You have to be able to say no also. You know, a lot of people say yes to everything. I'll help you with this. Let me take time for that. And then by the end of the day, you realized, oh man, I didn't actually move myself forward. So what does that do? 
So I think there comes to a, there does come a point where you need to be able to develop systems around your own efficiencies so that you can remain efficient to other people. That could be blocking time. It could be using virtual assistants or in-person assistants. It can be scheduling meetings that are about like, hey, let's go grab a coffee in clusters. Like if 10 people want to meet you for coffee, don't go 10 meetings. Bring 10 people together for one coffee meeting. And again, create a safe space, curate people together, create value that is collective, not just one-on-one. But these kinds of systems in real estate that you need to create are personal. And that's why in the book in Super Connector, none of these things are, if you do this, you will be successful, but rather Here's a series of traits, anecdotes, and value-add frameworks that work for certain people. Take from what you will these different things to make them your own. And I think that's sort of my final message to everyone. No one, no one, myself, my partner, any of the best connect- connectors on planet Earth can give you that step-by-step guide. There is no five-minute abs formula here, but we can share with you the best practices that we've made our own, that we feel in our heart are true, that are wholesome, and that create value for all involved, including ourselves. But in a way that makes us go to bed at night and say, you know what? We're good people with good intentions that truly want to change and help people's lives, but with the understandings and frameworks that are going to help us be efficient at doing just that. If you could take away one thing from anything in this interview, if you are amazing enough to buy the book, which I, I would love and I appreciate every person that can buy this book, not because I'm looking to be a rich author, but because I believe these practices will lead to better human interaction. If I can leave you with one thing, it's that. It's don't try to cheat real time. Relationships take real time and real effort. Cheat your own time, but not the time it takes to build relationships with others. I think that's great advice. And it makes a ton of sense applying technology in the right context, but not necessarily in a way that sort of magnifies that sort of social media noise that we talked about before. I'm curious, what would kind of one actionable piece of homework be that you would give to somebody listening to this interview that they could kind of start to concretely implement the ideas we've talked about today? I think first and foremost, I go back to the idea of really having some introspection and audit yourself to see where you really are. Have a moment where you actually are not trying to be on stage, whether that is a real world stage or a digital stage platform, if you will. And just ask yourself some basic questions. Am I someone that can see beyond transactional value? You're not showing off for anybody. And if you say, no, I'm not, well, at least you have an answer. And then you ask yourself, okay, if I am beyond transactional value, if I can get beyond this and I can create a series of methodologies and systems that work for me to create value for others, how would I start that process? Am I going to, do I have a community currently? Do I have a group of people that I believe fundamentally are my anchors, the people that are around me in a meaningful way that can begin this foundation of something I care about and build that community around me? Like just asking yourself a lot of questions, deep thought and being honest with yourself, getting your back down to your being naked, you know, getting rid of that paint and that arrogance that we've been putting on, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert for years of always potentially trying to be the, the bell of the ball on a public stage. And instead, just really asking yourself some fundamentals and not lying to yourself. And then when you figure all that out, and if you find yourself to be someone that you feel you want to be a connector, tracking in the back of your mind without like scripting yourself, just doing what you've always done in your next couple of conversations and seeing if you catch yourself. 
are you really being honest with yourself or did you just trick yourself into believing you were honest with yourself? Do you really have that transactional mindset because John's dad runs a car wash when you met him at at an event and he wasn't really valuable to you? Did you say to yourself, you know, I really need to get away from this person because he doesn't help me. Did you even have that instinct in your head? And if you did, it doesn't mean you're a horrible person, but just being honest with yourself, that is going to be the best way to help rebuild yourself. I think those small steps, assessing who you are will be the foundational understanding if you can be the emotionally intelligent, self-aware, curious person that it will take to be a super connector. It's amazing. The notions of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, probably the the two most recurrent themes on our show, regardless of what kind of skill set we're talking about developing, those are are some of the fundamental cornerstones of, of developing nearly anything. Scott, where can listeners find you and your books online? Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you, everyone. I really appreciate the platform and the time, Matt. I mean, you know, this is subject matter we really care about. If you want to check out the book, obviously, it'll be available everywhere books are sold. Goes on sale February 27th, 2018, with pre-orders available now. Uh, You can go to superconnectorbook.com to check out the book, some of the connectors. And you can follow my uh, partner and I at Ryan Paw, R-Y-A-N-P-A-U-G-H, or me at Scott Gerber, S-C-O-T-T-G-E-R. B-E-R on Twitter. We're very active and love to engage in conversation around these types of topics. So feel free to check us out there. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing all this wisdom, great strategies, and really solid principles for building authentic relationships in today's environment. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created the show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're gonna get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 